podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the Formula Nerds podcast that gives you your weekly F1 news updates. Remember how I said January is pretty quiet for F1 news last week? Well, it turns out I was very wrong to help me work our way through everything. Uh, I'm joined by Cut to the Race main man, Ollie. Ollie, how are you? I'm good. I feel a little bit nervous being a guest. It's quite strange, actually. But I'm well. <laughs> thank you. How are you, James? I'm all right, thanks. Uh, we also have Abby. Abby, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. It's good to have Ollie on this one instead of just the main one as well, but it's sad that Bridge isn't here. I thought you were going to say yeah, it's good to we... have Ollie instead of Bridge. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we'll be missing uh, Bridge's hot takes, that's for sure. But we also have Grace, maybe she can throw in a few. Oof, maybe, maybe I'll have to be a bit controversial, take over the Bridge Morgan, Piers Morgan role from him. Or maybe Ollie could do that. Are you feeling controversial, Ollie? Yeah, anyone who knows me already will know that I'm not scared of saying a controversial thing or two. So yeah, I'll take up Bridge, Mor- Bridge Morgan's role. No, no worries there. That works. Uh, so Lewis Hamilton, as much as it, no news is the news to some extent, but as we all know, he's been on a social media blackout for a month. Uh, at least at the time of recording, it is a month of the day since the highly controversial Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which we've covered in great depth. But there has been a little, a little more news kind of breaking that at least it appears to be getting a bit more concrete. You know, BBC are reporting on it, Sky Sports, saying that basically he's going to decide on his future once the FIA's inquiry to it, what happened at the, the season finale actually produces some results. So what do we all think about that? I'll start with you, Ollie. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, it's also been said that um, there was a sort of deal that Mercedes may have may have struck with the FIA regarding the removal of Michael Massey um, in relation to Lewis Hamilton's return, which I'm finding... Uh, well, it's quite a hot topic, really, and it seems to come out of nowhere. It, it makes sense that the Mercedes team would have withdrawn all their appeals on at the time based on, if you remove Michael Massey, we'll continue. Um, you know, their, their anger would have all been directed towards him. Like you said, the BBC have reported that as well. And then, yeah, I mean, today we've also noticed a little something on the FIA website, but I'll, I'll ask you guys what you think before we go into that. I was just going to say, is it exactly a month today? Yes, it is. It that's, is. That's crazy. It's been a whole month of pain. See, to me, yeah. it feels a lot longer, but also it feels like Abu Dhabi was last week. So it shows you yeah. how much that, I'll say loss, maybe stolen victory means to Lewis and Mercedes. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mercedes wanted to to strike a deal and I wouldn't be surprised if FIA wanted to strike a deal back because if they lose Lewis Hamilton arguably the greatest driver F1's ever had and Mercedes one of 
the best, if not the best, constructors. Incredible. They don't want to lose them. The money they bring in as well, the fans. Yeah, I mean, this is it. It's it's almost an except. It could be a question of who does it hurt the most if Lewis does decide to call it quits under the circumstances. If he says, "I've lost faith in the sport," which is you know a sentence that's been kicking about a bit. I think Toto has said it. You know, he's disillusioned. If he says, "You know, I don't trust the FIA to produce a fair fight anymore. I've I've got nothing left to prove. I'm calling it a day." I mean, he'll be fine. <laughs> He's got plenty of plenty of stuff to be getting on with. It would hurt the FIA massively. I mean, F1 is is huge. F1 survived Schumacher retiring, Senna dying. But never in these circumstances. There's never been this big a name. And I don't think there is a... I mean, Lewis has got to be one of the biggest names in sport, period. It's like Lionel Messi saying... I, I don't trust FIFA, I'm quitting. I'm going to go play Sunday League in Argentina. Would it, Very good point. Did they, lose, did they lose the most there or did Mercedes lose the most going into new regulations with what's already a new driver coming in, a young guy who's you know not got a lot of experience and who would they get to put, who would they put in the second seat? There's a lot of questions I've asked there. But uh, Abby, you break it down with me. I think it's difficult. If Lewis retires or just takes a sabbatical, it will have a knock-on effect on the whole of F1, on fans and Mercedes, everyone. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to trust for him. We haven't heard anything from him for a month, like we said. And it's whether he can trust the FIA next season to do the right thing, to not be biased, to follow the rules. And I think he he needs something concrete. He needs a decision to be made to know what he's going to do next year or this year, actually next season. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm finding interesting about this particular case here is that they dropped their appeal against the uh, FIA and the decisions that were made um, on the basis that obviously reviews were going to be completed, um, that necessary changes were going to be made. So far, we haven't seen any sign of that, and and it's only emerging now that you know, potentially Michael Massey was was the person that they wanted changed. And if you look back to the sort of the emotions at the time, that makes total sense because Michael Massey was the one who made the call. He's the one who delivered it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe the latest is that Mercedes have denied that. But have they really? Uh, I would have said the same thing. I mean, it does feel like a head has to roll because... <laughs> It feels like F1 tried to gloss over it, obviously, because they would. They don't want to undermine what has been this incredible season with a finale that is very much up for debate in the way that it was ended. But it's not gone away. These kind of things normally would kind of blow over, but I think this one's been too big. It was too important and there's kind of been nothing to distract with. There's not like another race to to go on and you forget about stuff like, you know, people very quickly forgot about Saudi was one of the most controversial races of all time. And it was immediately, you know, forgotten about because of what happened literally seven days later. So, yeah, I don't know whether, whether or not you think it was Michael Massey's fault. It could be someone who's higher up, who's obviously, you know, we we know that the team's agreed to try and finish where possible, but yeah, at the end of the day, he's the race director. I was just going to say, yeah, I completely forgot about how 
crap Michael Massey was at Saudi. And it's kind of like he predetermined his own fate for the week later, saying, I think I can beat that. I think I could be even worse than I was in Saudi. <laughs> and yeah, and as we know, Michael Massey might have predetermined his whole career's fate because something's come out of the FIA. I think, Ollie, you might have some more news on that. Yeah, so the, the FIA restructure, um, well, the, the organisational structure has come out and there's a few changes on there, um, one of which is that Michael Massey is not on it. Um, we do believe that there were planned restructures anyway coming into January 2022. However, um, Michael Massey's name is not listed under single-seater where it was on the previous um, version of this document. FIA haven't said anything regarding this. I have emailed them today um, asking for a comment, but Michael Massey's name disappearing, is that, a, you know, that, that, that's, a big, that's a big change not to say anything on at the time. Is it not on the document at all? Like, It's nowhere. not on the document, no. Oh, not just removed from his position, but the whole document. Yeah, so there, there is, um, where he was previously under the single-seater, um, category of the FIA. He is no longer there. It's not clear if he's going to be moving to a different role. It, it, nothing's clear. The FIA haven't released a statement, which is, again, why we've contacted them. But does that suggest that changes are happening along the lines of what we've discussed already? It could easily, He could easily stay on as race director because, I mean, the on that document, I, I can't remember, you may know better than me, the actual term, it was the head of single-seater racing or something like that. And maybe they're kind of going, oh, he's he's overwhelmed, which has been a point that lots of people have made. He would still be race director and he would be somewhere on the next level down of that of that document, which, you know, it didn't go very far into the the depths of who's in charge of what. But uh I think they've got to say something now. I think the FI the FIA's gotta say something because I mean, the silence was already deafening in terms of the the inquiry, but now that these rumours are getting gaining traction, and we have this document that's only going to send it even higher. I don't know. I think they're going to have to put out some kind of statement soon. It's just a lot of noise with no clear words, a lot of rumours, a lot of documents, but we don't actually know what's going on. Like you said, the silence is deafening, but we can start to hear stuff. We just don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, Abby, uh, anything to add on this? Yeah, I think, like Grace said, we need we need some concrete information. We there's so much speculation, so many rumours. As fans, we want to know what's happening, and I'm pretty sure that Mercedes and Lewis want to know what's happening as well. So we need some concrete information soon before the season starts and before testing as well. Yeah, and I mean, to, just to just to add to this, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton, it's pretty clear that he is not going to speak comment potentially even return to F1 until um, there's a sort of conclusion to this. And it's been left absolutely wide open. I mean, the the, the, the divide in, in F1 fans is just becoming bigger and bigger. And whilst all publicity is good publicity, this is really going to start to damage the sport that we all love. And I, and I really feel that... Um, you know, with even Lewis Hamilton not commenting, some people may think he's a sore loser. I don't. I think he's been betrayed by the sport that he loves, and he can't bear to bring himself to, you know, to face that. Especially if he doesn't get the respect back from the governing body to even make changes, to even, um, you know, to to to, to review this in a manly time. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks ahead on this for sure. I I mean, I can't see Lewis. 
um, leaving, but I, I understand his reasons if he chooses to at this time. I think, Ollie, what you were saying about fans becoming even more and more divided, and I think everyone's getting really passionate and there's a lot of talk or there's a lot of silence and nothing's clear. It's like something that was said the other week about how Formula One risks becoming wrestling or boxing with all the talk, all the preamp, all the hype. And it can get really aggressive from fans and it can get silly, stupid, like as we know WWE can and other wrestling and boxing bouts. And I just think that statement is becoming truer by the day and especially when we don't have any concrete evidence it's all just talk and noise yeah i think it's obviously it's the double-edged sword of drives to survive in that it's brought so many people to the sport which is great and we love that and it's it's done an incredible amount certainly in like in young people coming to the sport where it had become a bit of a you know a dinosaur sport maybe in the mid 2010s or I don't know, a little bit earlier but it does seem that the the fan base has got a lot more petty. Uh, as someone who's been on F1 social media for a long time, kind of as long as it's been around really, when it was less popular, it was definitely less aggressive and divisive. And now, and obviously this has been like a, a massive catalyst in, in even further separating the two cliques, but every post that F1 puts out now, it's it's full of obviously angry Lewis fans making some kind of snide comment and then angry Max fans responding to them saying cry Moulton and stuff like that, which I hate by the way, because it's it's not even a good pun. Like cry Moulton and fraud Milton. <laughs> like, terrible. come on, find something that rhymes. I mean, the, the argument is that we, and I think I put this on my own social media the other day, is is it time to move on from 2021 and focus on the year ahead? Um, I myself at the time thought, yeah, okay, that's happened. But you can't move on until you've you've ended it. And we haven't ended 2021 because there's still items that are open. Things haven't been resolved. By no means are we ever going to see that title change hands. Of course not. Uh, that would also be even more wrong. But the matter is still open. So how can F1 fans move on to the next season when it's it's not concluded? I don't think F1 fans can move on. And I know we've got, I'm not going to say violent, passionate fans. But just imagine if we had social media back when it was Schumacher and Villeneuve. Just, I, I, can't, I can't even begin mm. to imagine. I guess, like you said, James, about older fans being a bit more... No, like calm in the comments like obviously I'm a Max fan and I've just realised you three are all Lewis fans but I can <laughs> I respect Lewis I boo get rid of her <laughs> right bye guys last words from me bye no I respect Lewis he's a great driver the best of all time I'm gonna say that he's better than Schumacher shock and I'm not gonna fight you in saying Max is better Max deserves everything but yeah I just I think it's so nuts. The Drive to Survive documentary has definitely brought new, crazier fans on and impassioned a lot more fans when they see what's going on behind the scenes. But yeah, I just, I think we need to finally put a stop to 2021, like you said, Ollie. But then, as I said with Schumacher and Villeneuve, they still don't have their closure like 24 years, 25 years later. So yeah. I think we need an end, but we're not going to get it. 
Yeah, I agree. We definitely do need an end. And I think Lewis is waiting for the decision about what the FIA are going to do to be the end of 2021. But I think we covered it last week. I believe Horner said something like, people will forget Abu Dhabi in years to come. It won't be one that everyone will go back to, but it will. Abu Dhabi will always be there in every F1 fan's mind, even if the decision has been made, whenever that may be, it will always be there. But we do need some sort of closure and concrete evidence as to what's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. It's it's there. It's it's Prost centre level. It's never going to go away. It is probably now, I would say, straight into like the top five most infamous moments in the sports history. Like, I don't, it's not going anywhere. I don't even think it will remain in F1 fans' minds. I think it will remain in nearly everyone's minds because even people who aren't F1 fans will know about the controversy. It would have been on the radio. It would have been on the TV, front page news. Yeah, I I watched the finale with with actually four friends, like my band, because I was back in the UK and they'd, they've at best had a passing interest in F1. Some of them never watched it. That was their first experience of F1. And they were all just confused at the end. They genuinely didn't understand what had happened. Uh, and that would have been the case for a lot of people. There were so many people brought in and it being free to air. And it's a real shame that, yeah, that was how we left it as a sport. Well, yeah, I had friends, like you say, who don't know anything about F1. They never watch it. And they messaged me and was like, have you seen what's happened? What What does that mean? What's happened to this? What, what's happened? And I was like, I just, I can't explain that over text. You need to have watched it all because it's so confusing. It's it's such a big thing to have happened in F1 that everyone will remember it. Uh, I went to the south of France over Christmas uh, and saw a couple of friends down there, a guy who barely speaks English and like he's he's quite into his sports. He's a mechanic. Uh, his dad was a huge F1 fan, but he lives in like a sunflower field in the middle of the southwest of France. And the first thing he said to me was like, "Ah, uh, Hamilton, say say on say on vol," which is like it was a theft. And he's a Ferrari fan. He's not <laughs> like, yeah. It it really it will have been the whole world has seen this. So I think I think possibly by the t- by this time next week we may have. Well, I'm really hoping we may have something, some sort of conclusion, some sort of development to report. But, you know, as I think as we said for now, this 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 case is wide, more wide open than it's ever been. Um, and yeah, the rumours are the rumours are growing speculation. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think this is I mean, there's also the potential that this is obviously Mercedes pushing this because this is the only way they have to pressure the FIA into doing something. Lewis's silence in itself is pressurizing them because they obviously knew, as we as we've said before, about you know the the FIA marking its own homework with the Court of Appeal. This is kind of their only the only way they can actually show strength is through threats. Here's a fun question for you all: If Mercedes do decide to leave, do you think they'll leave this year or next year? And if they do, who will take their place, if anyone? I mean, I, I can't see them leaving, um, but if they did, no one's going to replace them, certainly certainly in 2022. Well, it has been rumoured that Audi and Porsche will be joining F1 from 2026 onwards as engine suppliers. But there is another constructor who will be returning to motorsport after 60 years away from single-seater racing. Maserati will be joining Formula E for the Gen 3 era from 2023. The Trident will be back on the track. 
Now, this is very exciting news. I don't know what you guys think about this. I, I, I Maserati, probably the most uneconomical car that I could pick <laughs> going into Formula E. I think that's incredible. Bloody love Maseratis. They used to be my favourite car when I was little, growing out of that phase a few years ago. But... I'm really excited. I'm excited to see them racing again. Perhaps, yeah, Ollie, true. They're not known to be environmentally friendly and they're not known to be particularly reliable, so that will be interesting. But, yeah, I'm excited. Well, David Grasso, the CEO of Maserati, said that they're excited to come back as the protagonists of the world of racing and that they're excited to join Formula E because it's very fresh and it's very of the moment and very innovative and they're going to embrace electrification. So, and then, do you guys think they could join Formula One anytime soon? Do you think we could see them on the Formula Oh, I think if they're going to Formula E, it probably means that they're not going to go to Formula One. But, I mean, they, 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 they did win a world championship in Formula One, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. So, they've done it before. Would it be in their business plan? I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on that. We did another podcast recently and we found out that the cost to enter is $200 million. So even if Maserati wanted to, do they really have those funds in terms of investment and on the business plan, like you said, Ollie? Yeah, that's kind of the problem. That's, that's the whole thing of why we will, you know, everyone wants to see 12 teams. 13 teams is the maximum, isn't it? And we obviously nearly got there briefly in 2010, whenever it was, Caterham, Virgin and HRT joined. It's just, it's the whole thing again of the the teams getting a say in the rules. Because the teams don't want to, the teams don't want more teams coming in because then they get a smaller cut of the prize fund. That's what it boils down to. And that's why you only get teams buying out teams. And yeah, if Mercedes did choose to leave, that would be the only way we'd get another major name in probably because someone would come in and buy the team for a small... Obviously, we saw Braun buying Honda for a pound. It's That's when the actual... When you can get a good deal and actually get into F1. It's a shame that that is the case. Yeah, and Formula E, you know, the, the money, the, the, the finances are a lot smaller than in Formula One. I believe um, Jaguar a few years ago, it was revealed how much they spent on, it was either 2017 or 2018 season, and it, it didn't even reach their whole expenditure for that year, didn't even reach 200 million. So Formula E is a heck of a lot cheaper sport um, to, to, to be involved with. So would, would Maserati be in Formula One? I think it's a long shot. Mercedes are leaving Formula E as well, aren't they? Yep. So, speaking of amazing Italian cars, I believe, Grace, you have some news for us regarding Ferrari. I do. So, Ferrari have released their their master plan, as we say, or as Alpine say anyway, El Plan. But um, they've released a new organisational structure, which I guess intends for them to climb back up the Constructors' Championships, maybe get back on top... And they've also announced their driver academy for the coming season. And one noticeable change is that Marcus Armstrong has left the driver academy. No idea where he's gone. Callum Eilor is on a gap year to IndyCar. And Schumacher is mentioned first. He's the top Ferrari driver, which I guess makes sense as he's the one in Formula One and he can take over pretty easily, say if Carlos or Charles was ill 
but yeah, I think it's really exciting. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I think it's a shame about Marcus Armstrong. He's had two Formula 2 seasons now and you know he's not made that many waves. He's been pretty unlucky from what I've seen. He's he's had his moments. He's won a race at least, if not two, I think. But yeah, the Ferrari has a pretty full academy now, doesn't it? I mean, you know, Callum Eilert couldn't even get a seat and Mick is obviously there. Carlos and Charles, it probably makes sense for him to try and move to a different academy and give it one final shot maybe or look at something like like IndyCar. I just can't believe how many drivers Ferrari have got and we've still got people such as Oscar Piastri who's not a Ferrari driver but is waiting to go into Formula 1. But yeah, we've got Callum Eilert who I think deserves the seat. We've got Robert Schwartzman coming up the ranks. There's so many that are coming up and there's just not enough seats. So yeah, if we had 13 teams, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it is a shame because there's so many talented young drivers out there, but because of the lack of seats, they can't get into F1. Like Piastri and that, it would have been great to see him in F1 this year and it would be great to see him in the future, but with the lack of seats, it is such a shame to see them not be able to. I just think it's a joke that you can win F2 anyway but win it on your debut season. But you can't race in F2 again because you've won it, but then you can't get the F1 seat because it's gone to someone else. And I know we've moved on from Ferrari and we talked about Alpine, but I still think it's a joke, especially for Ilar and everyone else. I can't remember who it was, but I remember someone talking about like how would it, would it work if F1 almost had a relegation and promotion system? I can't remember if it was from you guys or if it was in a previous podcast or it was potentially us just chatting amongst ourselves. Was it maybe Bridge? Because I know he likes to compare F1 to football. Well, it's, it's a bit like the Toro Rosso. To- um, it's a bit like Toro Rosso into Red Bull, really, apart from that's now a sister team. But that, that was yeah. sort of the... Do, do you mean F2 into F1 type system? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean an official one. Like, whoever wins F2 is guaranteed a spot and then you'd have some form of I don't know, the the bottom of the constructors has to get rid of a driver. I mean, it, it's, it would be maybe a controversial thing to have, but and obviously Haas could potentially crumble if they didn't have Mazepin, if it were this year, for example. But I don't know, just would that potentially work? It's a way to guarantee the winner at least a season to prove himself? I think it definitely could work. But also, as we said, in terms of the last, the bottom constructor having to boot one of their drivers. I think, especially if it's a newish team or a newish set of drivers like Haas have got two rookies this year. I think it's a bit harsh that we haven't, or F1 haven't given them the chance to prove themselves. I know Mazepin and Schumacher have been a bit disastrous in terms of points, but I still think they should get an extra year and especially in the next gen cars because they've proven themselves in the lower formula. But again, I do think Piastri should get a seat. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah, I mean, and then in in theory, they could then go back down to Formula 2, win it again and come back maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, realistically, it, it probably wouldn't work just because of the, the academy nature of things. And, you know, say that, yeah, Alpine finished bottom of the constructors and then a Ferrari driver academy won the F2. They're not going to go and go to Alpine, are they? Probably. But anyway, just an idea. 
Yeah, I remember an, an article done by Autosport last year, I, I think it was, um, talking about the Ferrari Driver Academy. And Bonotto was just saying how difficult it is to get their younger drivers into into race seats, um, you know, and, and on the racetrack, let alone into F1. And um, part of the argument, I think, to this is, you know, if you're fighting for a championship, admittedly Ferrari won't last year, but potentially this year, every minute that you have your you know, your permanent drivers on track, whether that be a practice session or not, um, you need the strongest people in that car to get the best data um, to drive your team to victory. Um, It's a risk putting a younger driver in just to give them a go in F1 when really maybe that's not the forum to do it. Maybe there's there's other ways that they can get them in F1 cars, be it pre-season testing or events that we don't have yet. I think... That's where sister teams, and I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I think that's where and sister and junior teams can become very desirable as a big constructor because I know Haas isn't particularly a Ferrari sister team, but it, they share engines. So that's a link. And Williams to Mercedes. And I don't know, McLaren use Mercedes engines too. They're a bit random at the moment with an older driver and a brand new youngster for the past three years it's a bit different but I do think having a lower performing team but linked to a higher fighting for a championship team is a very good way of getting them developed get letting them learn the tricks of the trade and then getting them up into title winning performances I think Ferrari have found two very good drivers and they've got a really good pair on their hands because Charles Leclerc, they love him. Ferrari just can't get enough of him. And Carlos Sainz, he surprised everyone. Well, he didn't surprise me because I knew he was going to do it. But he surprised a lot of people by beating his incredibly quick teammate and playing the long game, getting points in 14 consecutive races and finishing higher on the leaderboard. And I just think it's really nice to see Ferrari fighting for that third place. Just for a for the listener, uh, Grace did air quotes when she said "incredibly quick teammate" there, which I think is quite an important <laughs> a bit to uh, to have missed the context of. Bridge isn't even here to fight his corner. You slacking him off? No. Oh my gosh, I, I can say however much I want about Scholl. I think he's a good driver. I think he's a bit overhyped, a bit overrated. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry, Bridge. Maybe they should switch the 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 cares around. Put his F three brother into F one and see what happens. Now that would be funny. Maybe we'll see Ferrari bottom of the constructors again. Yeah, I mean, I can't see that happening just for reference, but uh, who knows? We've we've spoken quite a bit about Drive to Survive since all the drama of um, Abu Dhabi. Um, to, do we have a release date yet? Do you know, Grace? They said 2022. I assume March, because that's when it came out, but... Yeah, no specific they always do it just day. before the season, don't they? They always just like build up to the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun watch to build up to, but it, I guess I won't enjoy it as much because when I first watched Drive to Survive, I know it was completely exaggerated, but I did really like the Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo beef. And I know it was silly and they're still friends and good, great mates, ex-teammates. But I'm going to miss that element because Max is such a powerhouse in F1 now and he's not going to be in it. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? Well, yeah, I guess it does. But also I think him not being in it will lose an 
a fun aspect for viewers, whether you're a Max fan, a Red Bull fan, or whether you hate Max and you want to just criticise everything he says, you're not going to be able to do it. And I think that's really annoying. So when we say Max Verstappen isn't in it, I, I seem to remember, uh, was it last year or the year before, he said it was to do with his rivalry with, was it science? I think it was with Ricardo, maybe, because... Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Netflix made a drama out of something that he didn't think was a drama. So he, he's pulled out. But what, there's, there's just going to be 19 drivers in Drive to Survive? How are they going to do that? Well, they, they obviously, they've, the first season, they didn't get any of Mercedes and Ferrari, I think. And then they've only had Mercedes one race per year, I think, since. But they, they can still tell the narrative. They just don't get the behind the scenes stuff. So it's not like they're going to be like, yeah, and Lewis won an eighth championship because Max doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a Red Bull driver won the race. Yeah, who cannot Def be named. Definitely think Horner, he won't be able to keep his trap shut, so he can fill in all the blanks. Oh, Horn Horner will probably present it. Yeah. Oh my God, imagine. Yeah. Instead of think, Will, will think, Buxton. Oh, sorry. I was gonna, no, no, it's fine. I think, yeah, eventually he drives to survive. We'll just be Horner and Buxton in a room just talking to each other. That's it. I think that, that they they get more and more airtime each series, and they seem to love it and love the sound of their own voices. Gunther will definitely have a cameo, hopefully with oh, Cyril true. if he comes yeah. back. Let's hope <laughs> Cyril comes back. But if you if you do want some Max Verstappen content, he's signed with a new streaming service, which I never heard about until the other day when I found this out. It's called Viaplay, and it's like. Scandinavian, Nordic, and they've actually got the rights to Formula One in so many countries, and they've actually signed the rights in the Netherlands. So it kind of makes sense that they get Verstappen on their side. But do you not think that's just a bit of a kick in the face for Netflix? I think Veer plays one of those ones where I press the options on my smart TV, and you go through all the obscure apps, and at the bottom, there's that one there. I never knew what it was, but when you say Max Verstappen signed a deal, what's he doing on it? So he is giving viewers an insight into his private, personal life on the track. He's also giving them insight off the track. So if anyone's interested in off-track drama, that's the one for you. He's also become an ambassador in the countries that Viaplay stream and have the rights to F1 in. So countries like Denmark, Estonia, and now the Netherlands, which the deal goes up to 2025, I think. So he'll be there for a while. And it's a smart move for Viaplay, getting the first Dutch world champion signed up to what would now be known, as we know, is their equivalent of Sky Sports F1. But yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's a bit beefy when you look at Drive to Survive and how popular that is. Yeah, I, mean, I think, yeah, Max has had his, had, had his beef with Netflix for a couple of years. Like you'd like be saying, ever since the, the fake Ricardo drama that they kind of concocted in one of the early seasons they obviously then did it with Lando and Carlos despite them being best mates like that's the thing I, honestly I don't think I'll watch this series I've I've always had a bit of a love-hate thing with it like you say the, the exaggeration and it's a bit cringy at points but I've always enjoyed seeing the behind the scenes stuff but like I'm just still too bitter about the finale and the fact that you know, that kind of all boils down to the fact that it was, you know, made for Netflix. I'm doing air quotes now. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Don't really want, don't really want to watch it again, to be honest. 
I definitely think I'll watch it because anything to do with F1, I will watch. But you've just got to go in there knowing that most of it is fake or exaggerated, which a lot of fans of F1 who came from Drive to Survive won't know. So I think that's a good precursor to go into watching and especially watching season four, which is the most controversial of the past, I'm going to say, decade. And yeah... There hasn't been that many controversial seasons the past few seasons that Netflix have covered. So it's going to be interesting to see how dramatic they make this season because it was dramatic on its own right. Yeah, no, definitely. They've, they've had to concoct so much drama in the last, what, two, three years that have been generally pretty dull, like at the front, certainly. <laughs> when, when I think of Netflix and drama, sorry, when I think of Drive to Survive and drama, I just think of, um, uh, what's his name? Kevin Magnuson slamming Gunter Steiner's door. And that is yeah. the most drama that... Was it Was it Kevin K-Mag? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? But that, it that, was yeah. Kevin Magnuson because yeah. he didn't know whether it was him or Roman Grosjean. Yeah, yeah, you fuck smashed fuck my smashed door. His door. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the most drama <laughs> I can think of throughout the whole Drive to Survive history. And by the way, the best drama. I absolutely love that. No, the best drama is... Carlos pulling out Lando's chair, Netflix putting sad, <laughs> yeah. dramatic music over it and saying, well, we're just not friends anymore. Ugh, I, I surely hate people who Surely people who came into F1 this year off the back of that season must have been so confused when they saw like they're clearly best mates. Or like season one Drive to Survive fans seeing Daniel Ricciardo go around in an orange orange what do you call it super orange cape going around with max around zanville being all dutch they'll be so confused right that's all the news for today thank you all for listening and thank you ollie our special guest for being with us today in bridge's absence thank you very much it's been good having you here now don't forget to check out formulanerds.com for all the latest f1 news and for all the news on the hamilton saga with the fia and also remember to tune in to the Cups of the Race podcast, which Ollie will be hosting, and there will be episodes coming soon. Thank you. Thank you. That was so cute. <laughs> so polite. So lovely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd be like, right, hey, go away. Podcast Network.